Hey, good morning to you, Grace. It's good to see you today. Would you turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Philippians chapter 4? Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Well, with this new Avengers movie that just came out, it made $32 kajillion in the first three seconds of it being released. <laughs> uh, we're having this, this conversation around the dinner table at the Zickert household, and it was, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? We went around the table, and so just a warning, I'm going to have you tell the people that you're sitting around what superpower you want to have, okay, in just a couple minutes. But I'm going to give you a few ideas, because let me show you the top five superpowers that people wish that they would have. And we'll go from five to number one, all right, from the fifth to the most desired superpower. The fifth most desired superpower is invisibility, is there even, I don't even know, is there even a superhero that is invisible? I don't even, is there? All right, so there's, there, you know more than I do, obviously, about that. Okay, number four, the number four most, uh, most desired superpower, super strength, like the Incredible Hulk, where you turn green and you rip out of your clothes because you're so muscular. Okay, so number four, super strength. Uh, number three, most desired superpower, healing ability, the ability to heal yourself or heal other people, you know, something like that. You know, Wolverine, he, the things come out, he can heal his body, that sort of thing. Number two, the second most desired superpower, flying. That one probably didn't surprise you very much, Superman. Right? Number one, most desired superpower, what do you think it is? Here it is. <laughs> We all want to read each other's mind. That's kind of creepy. Uh, I'm kind of disappointed. Uh, my top two are not on the list. My top two. Number two would be being able to shoot spaghetti out of my fingers. It sounds kind of weird, but I could think of a lot of places that, where that would be useful. You know, just instant lunch. And my number one superpower would be every time I pick up a bat, I could hit a home run. I wish someone on the Dodgers had that superpower, but... I don't think they do. All right, so now I've shared with you my superpower. I warned you. Here's some ideas. I warned you that I was going to have you tell the people who you're sitting around. So here's your chance. I want you to tell the people that you're sitting around, what superpower do you wish that you had? You don't have time to explain it. Just tell the people sitting around you what superpower you wish you had. Ready, go. All right, you could have too much fun with this. Anybody else want to shoot spaghetti out of their fingers? Is in, does anybody else have that on their list? So what are the chances of you getting that superpower? Let me show you what the Bible says about this. The Bible says this, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. All is a big word. Does this mean that I can shoot spaghetti out of my fingers and you can fly because of Jesus? Is that what that means? So we're in the series that we're calling Straight Out of Context. We're talking about uh, verses or passages in Scripture that are uh, misunderstood and quoted for some very good reasons, quoted because we want to encourage other people, quoted because we want to bring some comfort to other people, but sometimes they're misunderstood and we take them out of context. And sometimes when we take things out of context, particularly out of Scripture, a couple things can happen. One, we can begin to believe that life operates differently than it really does. 
We can kind of get frustrated about the Bible that life isn't operating the way that the Bible says that it should, at least what I thought it said that it should, but we've just taken it out of context. And sometimes we can believe things about God that are not even true. And God is supposed to do this at this point in time because that's what I thought the Bible said, but it was just out of context. And what ends up happening is we end up unintentionally, inadvertently, convincing people of things that are not even true. And these verses in the Bible end up doing more harm than the good that they were written for in Scripture. So I can do all things. Philippians 4.13 is the verse that we're studying today. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. A lot of people have that as their life verse or their favorite verse. Uh, This is Tim Tebow. Uh, Tim Tebow won the Heisman Trophy, and then he played for... Uh, the Broncos, his quarterback, and he ended up on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Tim Tebow is known for having Bible verses in his eye black. And so on the cover of Sports Illustrated, he has Philippians 4.13 on his eye black. Now, why Philippians 4.13? Why that one? Well, he says in the article that there is not a better verse for an athlete. There's not a better verse for an athlete. Why is that? Well, because his all things, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, his all things means winning a football game. But when the Apostle Paul wrote that in the Bible, I can do all things, was he referring to a football game? All right, here's here's another guy, different guy. You probably don't know this guy. This is John Jones. He is a notorious MMA fighter. And for a living, he pummels people. Okay, that's what he does for a living. And he has tattooed across his chest of Philippians 4.13. And so for him, his all things, like I can do all things through him, his all things is beat people up. I can beat people up through him who strengthens me. And when the Apostle Paul wrote, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, is that what he was referring to? Let's take this out of that world into another world, one that maybe you're more comfortable with. A a well-known celebrity pastor addresses this part of Scripture, and this is what a well-known celebrity pastor says. He's written more books than I have even read, and this is what he says about Philippians 4.13. It is possible to see your dreams fulfilled. It is possible to overcome that obstacle. It is possible to climb to new heights. It is possible to embrace your destiny. You may not know how it will take place. You may not have a plan, but all you have to know is that if God says you can, you can. Today, why don't you begin to open yourself up to possibilities in your future by simply declaring this verse, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Is that what Paul meant, that I can just do anything that I want to do, that I could, whatever's in my, de- what my destiny, that I can do that just because... The verse says that I can. And so this is an important question about this verse. Can I really do all things? Uh, When Paul wrote that, I can do all things, and by extension, Christians can do all things. Does that really mean that I can do anything that I want to do? And if that's true, then how is it that any Christian ever fails at anything? How could any Christian ever fail if I could do all things through him who strengthens me? See, this is one of those places where if we get the context wrong, we can begin to think that life operates differently than it really does because we've seen other Christians that have failed, haven't we? We've seen 
people in the Bible that have failed. You've failed. So you wonder, how come this is like it is? And so today we're answering this question, can I really do all things? And last week I showed you the way to find context in the Bible, really the way to find context anywhere of anything, but specifically we're talking about the Bible. How do we find the storyline or where this particular passage fits? How do we know what it's saying? And remember from last week, we said, first you read the book. First, you read the book, and someone had a great question for me. They said, do you mean read like the book, like read the entire Bible? And no, that's not the idea. Remember that most of the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, these are all letters. And you've turned to Philippians, which happens to be a letter. And that's what I mean. I mean, read the letter. The Bible is literature. It's God-inspired literature, and all literature is to be read in context. You kind of need to read the entire thing to know what any particular part is said. The Declaration of Independence is the exact same way. You read it in context, and that's what the Supreme Court is supposed to do is read it in context and, and then figure out what it's saying in context. The drive through menu at Del Taco, you have to read in context. At 6 o'clock at night, you can't order the breakfast burrito if on the menu it says breakfast is served until 10.30 a.m. You can't do it, okay? You got to read it in context, and the Bible is the exact same way. You don't have to read the entire Bible. I don't think you have to read Lamentations to get the idea of what's happening in the book of Philippians, but if you want to know the context of a verse in Philippians, you need to read the entire book. And you're like, man, that's a lot of work. It is. Studying the Bible takes time, and it's important. If we want to get it right, let's get it right. So that's the first step. And the second step then is after you've read it, you get to that part where you want to know what that verse means, you ask this question, what did this mean to them? You don't start with you, you start with them. I know you want to know how it applies to your life because we're all very narcissistic and we want to know what it's about me. But first we ask, what about them? These are the original recipients, the ones who received this letter first. What about them? And you ask the who, what, when, where, whys of of this. Who are they? What's going on in their situation? When did they live? What, what socioeconomic, what political issues are happening at the time? Where are they living on planet earth? And what were the crises in the moment? Why was this written to them? Why were these words or these particular stories or these examples written to them and not to other people? And we ask all these questions to figure out what was the original message, the, uh, the truth that God was communicating to them when that letter was written first. Now, I would bet that if you've not done these two things, that you've accidentally, inadvertently, unintentionally taken some scripture out of context, because I realize that that is a lot of work. And then once you get to, to what did it mean for them, there might be universal truth. What we're studying today, there is a universal truth, meaning it was true for them in the first century. It's true for us today in the 21st century. In 2,000 years from now, it will be true for them too. That's a universal truth. And so then that's where you get to the third question. We'll ask, what does this mean for me? How do I apply this part to my life uh, today? And so this is how we find accurate context and then begin to apply it to our life. And so that's what we're going to do with this verse, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. So what's the first step? You've got to read the entire book. Well, the good news, I'm going to save you from that. We only need to go up three verses, okay? We need to back up three verses, not, not all the way up to the very beginning. So back up three verses to Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. 
Now, the only reason that I would know that is because I read the entire book. I wouldn't know that if I hadn't read the entire book. But because I did, I realized, oh, we don't need to go all the way back to the beginning on this. We can start right at verse 10, and we can get the context from there. And so we begin in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. It says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. And so we have to stop right there. We have to find out who's the I. Who is I? Who, who's writing this? Well, if you go back to the beginning of the book, that's Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, it says that this is Paul. Paul is the one who wrote this. And so Paul enters the scene. He enters the pages of Scripture being a guy who hates Christians. He wants them in jail. He wants them dead. And so if you're someone here who doesn't really like Christians very much, you like Paul, all right? And so pretty quickly, though, Paul changes to the other team. He becomes a Christian, and he almost single-handedly changes the world for Jesus. He goes on these mission trips, and he spreads the good news of Jesus wherever he goes, and he starts a church, and then he moves on, and he plants, that's the word for starting a church, he plants churches all around the known world at the time, and he is proactive, he is evangelical, and about 10 years later, he gets arrested He gets thrown in jail, house jail, in Rome. Nero is the emperor. And uh, you want to get an idea of how how weird Nero is? Here's the brain of Nero. He would take Christians, put them on the end of a stick, and then he would grease them down with something. And then he would put them up on a pole, and this is what would light his gardens when he lit them on fire. This is Nero. And so... It's not a good time to be a Christian. It's not a good time to be a proactive Christian, you know, being evangelical, sharing your faith about Jesus, telling others to do the same thing, starting church. It's not a good time for that. It's not a good time for that Christian to be in Rome, and it's definitely not a good time for that Christian to be in jail. And that's exactly where the Apostle Paul is. He is staring down the barrel of being the next candle in the garden of Nero, and it seems like God has lost, uh, Nero has won, and the gospel is going to stop being spread because Paul is now in jail. His hands are tied. He can't do anything else except write some emails to some people that he met on his mission trip. And so he starts writing an email. It's not really an email. It's a letter, but none of us can identify with letters. We don't do that anymore. You barely read your email. Um, there's no way you write a letter, okay? And so he sits down and he writes some emails just to some people that he met on his mission trip. And that's what we have. That's Philippians. Philippians is called a prison epistle. Is written while he was in jail. And that's the I. And he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked the opportunity. He was kind of worried. Does anybody even know that I'm here? Does anybody even care? News traveled really slow. There was not the media like we have today. And so the church in Philippi, that's Philippians, didn't even know that he was in jail at first. And then they found out that he was. And so they made a care package for him and they dropped it in the mail, but they didn't have FedEx overnight. And so it took a while for that to get back. And Paul's kind of wondering, does anybody even know that I'm even in this situation? And so finally he gets the care package and he opens it up 
Xbox and some Wi-Fi and Starbucks cards. It was just really good. It was really good for him to know that some other Christians were concerned for him. It was good for him. It was just encouraging for him to know that he wasn't all alone in, in this whole thing. And he uses this situation, he uses this scenario to launch into his main point in this section of Scripture. So then we go to verse 11. In verse 11, it says, not that I speak from want, meaning it's not that I'm overwhelmed. It's not that I'm so stressed out I can't handle it. It's not that I can't deal with it. And that's kind of an amazing point just in itself. He is like the next in line to be a candle for Nero. And he's like, it's not that, I, it's not that I'm really that stressed out. I would be stressed out. He says, not that I speak from want. For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. I learned to be content. Those are some interesting words, and that's why they're highlighted on there. I learned it, meaning it didn't happen just naturally. You aren't content just naturally in these situations. I had to learn this. It happened over time. It was a process in me. I had to take some tests and graduate to the next grade. And over time, I've learned this. I've learned to be content. You know what content means? Content means to be okay on the inside when it's not okay on the outside. I've learned to be okay on the inside even though it is life-altering on the outside. I've learned how to do that. I've learned how to, I'm not stressed out. I'm not overwhelmed. I'm not worried about it like that. But it's just good to know that there are some people that are thinking about me at the same time. And so that's what's happening here in this part of Scripture. I've learned to do this because of everything that's been happening to me. I've learned to be okay or to be content in this moment. I'm okay on the inside, even though I'm in a situation where it's all breaking loose. Verse 12. It says, I know how to get along with humble means, meaning not, not much at all. I know how to live in prosperity, living... Uh, in the right part of town with the nice car. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both having abundance and suffering need. I've had more than I've needed, and I didn't really get addicted to all that, so that when I didn't have enough, I, I was unhappy. I've had a whole lot, and it didn't mess with my contentment. I had very little, and it didn't mess with my contentment either. I've had wonderful, great, easy days where life was great and fun to live, and I've had very difficult, very hard situations, and in either one of those cases, I was okay on the inside no matter what was happening on the outside. Now, why could he do that? Wouldn't you like to know how to do that? He says it's possible. I know how to do it. He calls it a secret. I've learned the secret of being able to, you know, even though things are so difficult and stressful and life-altering on the outside, it, there is a way to, even though I just got shipwrecked, I'm content, I'm okay. 
even though people are attacking me. I know how to do this. I've learned where the secret is. People are beating me up. I'm staring in the face of dying a very brutal death at the end of a stick just to light a rose garden. But I'm content. I'm okay. Even though it is devastatingly life-altering on the outside. Wouldn't you like to know how to do that? I mean, I'll watch that YouTube video. I haven't watched the commercials. If, if I could learn how to do that. And so that's what the next verse is. That's Philippians 4.13. That's the most, one of the most popular verses in all of Scripture. It's one of the most memorized verses in all of Scripture. But it is also one of the most taken out of sentences in the entire Bible. And so here it is. It's Philippians 4.13. I can do all things. I can do all. What, what things? What, what kind of things? I can do all these things. Wherever the Lord has led me, whatever God wants me to do, I can do all those things. Whether it's great and wonderful and being on my game, or whether it's being beat up, whether it's being shipwrecked, whether it's being a slave, whether it's staring down the most brutal of deaths that I could imagine, whether it's losing all of my friends. Yeah, I could do those things. I could do those things. I may not want to do those things, but I could do those things. I could do that. Now, how could he do that? I could do all those things, all those things. The things that are mentioned in verse 12, the abundance and the suffering, I can do those things through him. Now, when I memorized this verse, I memorized this verse when I was a kid, and it was in the King James. And if you're familiar with the King James, it's I can do all things through Christ. That's a good translation. I can do all things through Jesus. And it says, I can do all things through him or through Christ or through Jesus who strengthens me. This is the secret. He says, I, I, I know that it is possible to be okay on the inside. I can be content, even though everything does not seem like it should be contentable. I don't know if that's a word. <laughs> I just made it. I can do this. I can, I can take a deep breath. I can be okay. I can not be stressed out. I can deal with it. Because I've tapped into Jesus' strength. I can't do it on my own, but I've, I've tapped into the strength of Jesus. I can do all those things. But let me show you what this doesn't mean. It doesn't mean this. Now, this is just a picture of a Christian high school. And the cheerleaders made the big banner, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the football team is going to run out of it. And it's going to be all exciting. And this is not evil. This isn't evil, right? They, they had in good intentions. They wanted to include God in what they were doing. But I can just imagine Paul <laughs> saying, are you serious? I, I'm about to be a candle for Jesus, literally. And you're trying to use this to win a football game? This isn't like a Facebook inspirational post. There's nothing wrong with, nothing evil here, but it's just 
taken be, I don't know, maybe I'm being too critical, I don't know. But it's just taken beyond the context of the Scripture which we find ourselves in. If we want to kind of reword this verse, it would help clarify the context, it would be this. If I'm doing what God wants, even if it makes life a little crazy, I can be content because I've tapped into Jesus' strength. Does that sound like the way that life might operate? If I'm doing what God wants, and that's a key. This is just whatever I want. If I'm doing what God wants, even if it makes life a little crazy, and sometimes doing what God wants is not what we want. It's not comfortable. It's not the easy next step. It's not what the financial gurus would tell you. It's not what the educational gurus would tell you. It's not what, it's, it's not what the life coach will tell you. But if I'm doing what God wants, even if it's a little crazy, I can be content. I can be okay on the inside, even though it's life-altering, even though it's disappointing, even though it could be stressful on the outside, because this is the secret. This is what I've learned through all of this, the education of hard knocks. I've learned that I could do this because I've tapped into Jesus's strength. And so let's get back now to, remember, you want superpowers, right? Remember that? You want superpowers. So does this mean that you are going to be able to fly? Could Jesus do that for you? Sure, he could. He is all-powerful. He could do whatever he wanted to. But I just don't see that being necessarily what God wants for you right now. If you're a believer, at some point you will fly, right? But it's not yet. Does that mean that I won't be able to shoot spaghetti out of my fingers? Could God do that for me? Sure. He could. I just don't, I don't see that being necessarily what God wants. Does that mean that, that we can't read each other's minds? I don't know, let me try. You're thinking right now, when is the sermon going to be over? <laughs> hey, I got it right, didn't I? <laughs> Jesus does not want us to read each other's minds. I don't even want to read my own mind, much less yours. I don't think that's where this is going. It's possible that you've gotten this one out of context, and now you're kind of learning, oh yeah, I, I can see the, the nuance to this. And we're almost done, but I want to show you what you've been missing what you've been missing if you've taken this one out of context. You've been missing something so good. Here's what Paul's saying, just in different words. We're kind of trying to put this in different ways so we can see it in different ways. But here's what Paul's saying in a different way. He's saying, I can't, but Jesus can, and he can do it through me. I can't, I can't do it, but Jesus can. And he can do it through me. There are so many things that God calls us to do that are so difficult. And you say, I just can't do that. And the answer is no, you can't. But Jesus can. And he can do it through you. Maybe you're married and uh, you're sick and tired of her nagging and you just don't want to be around that anymore. I can't do this anymore. No, you can't. But Jesus can. And he can do it through you. 
Maybe you're married to him and he has not changed. You were sure that you could change him. But he still loves the same four things that he did when you first got married. Food and football and work and sex. It's those four things and that's it. Like, I can't deal with this anymore. It's been too long. I know you can't. But Jesus can and he can do it through you. Or maybe you're at the kind of the other end of that relationship scale and you're single and you're so tired of being lonely and you really want to be unlonely and you're about willing to do whatever it takes. But you know that the Bible says somewhere in there that it's better to connect with people who are only Christians than to save that sexual intimacy until marriage. And you're like, I just cannot wait. No, you can't. But Jesus can and he can do it through you. Or maybe you're a parent of a teenager. You're like, I just cannot do this and still, still be a good person. <laughs> you can't. You can't. But Jesus can. And he can do it through you. Maybe it's something in an uh, environment that's a little more familiar here. And, you know, I've, we talk often about serving in ministry at church. And you're like, I cannot do that. I cannot teach kids. There is no way that I could teach kids on a Sunday morning. I can't do that. There's no way. I can't. Look, I understand what that's like. You can't. That's how I started in ministry was just that way with kids. I went to college, and it was a Christian college, and one of the requirements of the Christian college was you had to serve in ministry to get your credits to graduate. And so I didn't what was I supposed to do? I, didn't, I wasn't a part of a church in the town that I was in. I didn't know anybody. So they gave me a sheet, a list of names of people at various churches that ran ministries. And so I just called the top one on the list. Her name was Joyce Tepfer. And I called Joyce Tepfer, and it turned out she was the kids director at the, this church. She was the Janet Ryerson, the Miss Janet of, of that church. And she said, okay, I want you to come second service. And so second service, they got the fourth fifth, and sixth graders all together. There's about like 120 of them. It was all in one big group. They're like, what do you say to 124 fifth and sixth graders? I can't do this. That's what you say. I, I know that. That's where my ministry began was with an I can't. That's where good ministry begins is with an I can't. Every single morning on Sunday morning, I say, God, I can't do this. And I can't. But Jesus can, and he can do it through me, and he can do it through you too. And this is what some of you have been needing to hear. You've been thinking that, that life isn't operating right for you. Well, I thought the Bible says that I should be able to do all things. No, 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 you can't. But Jesus can through you. So there might be some things that you've kind of been putting off because you just said, I can't do it. You know God wants you to do it. Remember, that's the, that's the way we're defining this. If I'm doing what God wants, then I can be content because I've tapped into Jesus' strength. So what are some things that God wants you to do that you know that you should be doing, but you've just been putting it off because you can't? Maybe it's uh, reading the Bible every day. I can't do that. I'm not a reader. I know, I know you can't, but Jesus can do that through you. Maybe, it's, uh, maybe you know that your next step is to get baptized. You're like, I can't do that. I don't know enough. Or people know me too well around here and think I've already been baptized and be too embarrassing. I can't. I know you can't. Uh, 
but Jesus can do that in you. Maybe it's joining a small group, a, a, a small group of guys, we call them platoons around here, a small group of women called Set Apart Group. And you know that's your next step, to grow your roots deep in the things of God. You're like, I can't do that. I can't get up at five in the morning. No, nobody can do that. <laughs> but Jesus can do it in you. He can do it through you. And if you're a believer here today, if you're a Christian, all of you already know that one of your callings, meaning one of the things that God wants for you, is to tell other people what you know about Jesus. Tell other people what you know about Jesus. You don't have to tell people what you don't know, but telling other people what you know about Jesus. And you're like, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't do that at work. People are going to make fun of me. They're going to think I'm a weirdo. They're not going to give me the promotion, and I'm right on the edge of getting that next, next job. I can't, I, can, I can't do that. No, you can't. But Jesus can do it through you if you allow him to. And so when Paul says, I can do all things, he could do all the things that God was calling him to, and he could still be content. And the secret is because he had tapped into Jesus' strength. How do you do that? Well, you're doing it right now by allowing God's word to change your heart, by reading your Bible every single morning, by spending time every day in prayer to him, confessing your sin as often as you can so that you have fellowship with him, spending time around other Christians to encourage you to do these things. This is how you tap into the strength of Jesus. Now, if you're here for the very first time or uh, you're not a believer yet, you're one of those kind of like Paul who <laughs> kind of skeptical about Christians, this is what Christians talk about, how to live lives honoring to, to Jesus, how to understand the Bible. Um, but here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that Jesus came, he's God in the flesh, and he died on the cross for your sin. And that's the first step of any of this. It's not, uh, it's not getting things accurate in scripture if you've never put your faith and trust in jesus that's the first step i want you to consider who jesus is i present to you that jesus is god that he came to earth in the flesh he's the second person of the trinity and when he came to earth two thousand years ago he lived a perfect life he never sinned one time and so that when he went to the cross he was dying on the cross for your sin the bible says that your sin separates you from god for all of eternity in a place called hell but god doesn't want anybody to go to hell he wants people to go to heaven that's why he sent his son jesus to die on the cross for you Three days later, he rises from the grave, proving that he is God, and that any person, anyone who puts their belief, their faith, their trust in this Jesus, it just means changing your mind about who Jesus is. Maybe you thought he was a good man. Maybe you thought he wrote a really popular book, just a good author. Maybe you thought that he was a, a, a magician and can do some pretty cool tricks, or he was a good motivating speaker that just had some great ideas. Uh, change your mind about him. He's God who's died for you. And that's why when he rose from the grave, he proves that he, he's God. There's no magician. There's no um, life coach. There's no author that's ever done that. And so now when you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, a Christian is just a person who's put their faith and trust in Jesus to wash away their sin. Or we use the word forgive, forgive our sin. So there, now there's no separation between us and God. And so now Third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of a Christian, helps them live a life honoring to him for the rest of their life. And that's what we're talking about today, about doing what God wants and Jesus' strength being the one that gets us through. 
And if that is what you believe about who Jesus is, we'd love to give you the opportunity to put your faith and trust in Jesus today. So I'm going to ask all of you, would you be willing to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute? Just creates a little separation between you and the person next to you for just a minute. And if you'd like to put your faith, your trust in Jesus for the very first time today, all you need to do is talk to God. It's called prayer. Maybe you've never prayed before, but let me help you. God doesn't need to hear your words out loud. He knows what's on your mind. He can read your thoughts. He knows your intentions. And so with that, quietly in your own heart, here's what you could say to God. You could say, God, I I know that I've sinned. I know I've done things I shouldn't have done. And I realize that, that uh, I need someone to save me, to rescue me from those sins. And I believe that Jesus is who that pastor says that he is. I believe that he is God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sin. And I believe that he rose from the grave, proving that he is that God. And I put my faith in him to be my savior. I believe that he is my rescuer. And with your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, immediately the promise is that God, the third person of the Trinity, will help you live a life honoring to Him. Now, many of you are already saved. You're already Christians. And so with your head still bowed, though, and your eyes still closed, maybe there are some things that, that God has wanted you to do that you know what they are, but you've just said, I can't. And it's true that you can't. But tapping into Jesus' strength, he can do it through you. And so I want you to think of what thing that is, what one thing that you know that God wants you to do. And this is a time for you to respond to his word in prayer. One thing that you know that God wants you to do that you just said, I can't do that. Here's what we're going to say to God. We're going to say, God, I can't do that. It's, that's hard for me. I don't know how or when or how that will turn out. But I want to do what you want me to do. And so I pray that you'd give me your strength to do that. Please give me your strength to do that. I need to tap into your strength to do that thing. I pray that you'd help me have the guts to do that tomorrow. Dear God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that your word can be understood. I thank you that you reveal your truth to us because it makes us who we are, and for that we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.